Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Good weekend. We Erna turned 40 yesterday. She doesn't look a day over 25. Don't you think so? Huh? What a surprise. <laughs> but what a blessing. We had a, we had a great time celebrating. And uh, yeah, what a blessing. And it's truly a fact that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? I can testify of that. Praise the Lord. Uh, a while ago, I spoke, actually towards the end of last year, I spoke about a heavenly vision. And uh, I wanted to continue a little bit along that line, but from a slightly different perspective. I've been listening <clears throat> through some ancient um, recordings from Brian, of Brian Houston about 20 odd years ago, just under 20 years ago, that so blessed uh, working through the Psalms. And um, some of one specific session really challenged me, and I thought, yo, this is really, there's a bunch of things in there that I want to share and hold before us this morning, and then obviously adding our own context and adding our own um, just flavor as well in between. But yeah, let's have a look at that. He's, I want to start with um, Psalm 23, and this, if we, when we think about Psalm 23, <coughs> Isn't it true that we think, I don't know, I don't, let me not say what you're thinking. I, I often think of it as a, you know, there's a psalm of, you know, being, we, we hear about the shepherd, we're being, um, and we hear about green pastures and still waters and restoration, and we read about protection, and, and then we read, it's, so it's, it's, it's a psalm of comfort, isn't it? And a psalm of rest to some extent. Psalm of hope and encouragement. But I believe also it, it's kind of in the context of a very divine purpose. It's not only those things. It's in the context of the purpose of God, the plan of God. So when we read it now, I want you to just kind of read it with a bit of a fresh perspective and be open to you to see the the. the, the context of purpose that I'm talking about. Okay, let's have a look there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's obviously the very familiar, but I want to just point out a few things that kind of highlight that context I've been talking about. See, he restores my soul, and he says, he leads me. Firstly, obviously, this is the shepherd, and he's leading us, all right? And he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. So we see there already, we see 
He's leading us in the right path. He's leading us in the right way, in right living for, for His name's sake. And then there's the protection and the, and the comfort and the safety. But then also He talks about a table before us in the presence of enemies. So there's a, there's a battle going on. There's, a, there's, a, there's some difficult things going on. And then He, he says at the end, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And again the concept, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever the context of the house of the Lord, the context of His purposes and His plans, His kingdom being established, His kingdom coming. So, uh, yeah, and and I want to just take that as a starting point, that if we we read this, even if we go and study this more from a perspective of there's a purpose, and it starts with the, you know, the, the, the first two words is the Lord is, and then it ends with the Lord forever and it, in the middle there, it talks about his right, a part of righteousness and his name's sake, then it adds a different dimension to it, and it, it, it makes us read it in a different light. And, um, and I believe there's a, there's a few things in our walk with God that changes dramatically when we add this ingredient or this dynamic of purpose to it. And I want to take us to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 um, to just read about this a bit. And this is uh, also a challenging one. The um, writer here writes, and he's, he's just, this is the chapter where he talks about there's a time for everything. Okay? There's a time for harvesting and planting and reaping and, and a building and breaking down. And, and then he, in verse 11, says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So he's ending off that kind of part of it, what he's writing. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And then he says something amazing. He says, also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put eternity in man's heart. And this is one of those scriptures that if you read it in the Amplified, it just blows your mind. And I want us to read that from the Amplified as well. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. And he says, he has also planted eternity. And then in brackets, a sense of divine purpose. He has planted a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, grasp what God has done his overall plan from the beginning to the end. So we can't grasp the whole thing, but yet he puts something, he plants something into our hearts, a divine sense of purpose. And interestingly enough, he talks about the human heart. So isn't that amazing that believer and non-believer, those that have decided to follow Christ and those that haven't, have a sense of divine purpose in their heart. I believe that's, that's a part of the reason why so many people uh, exper- you know, experiment with spiritual things and try and look and seek and trying to, to make sense of things because of this sense of divine purpose that God has planted into every heart. So He's planted eternity. He's implanted into us a sense of divine purpose. So we're talking about 
something that God has put in each of our hearts, something that's not an earthly thing, it's a divine sense of purpose. And I believe this sense of purpose adds a, a very particular dimension and a dynamic to the way we serve Christ, the way we follow Him. And I want to look at a, a couple of specific places uh, and ways that this impacts our lives. Powerfully, it says here that nothing but God can satisfy this or fulfill this. Nothing except God can fulfill this sense of purpose. So we try and find and fulfill fulfillment in it in different ways. Um, you know, David, since he heard that I used to do skydiving as a sport, he wants to do it right now. He doesn't want to wait till one day. I've tried to explain to him, you know, <laughs> most surely there must be an age limit to these things. But he wants to go now. And actually at our old house, he was jumping off this uh, veranda with a Bin liner, you know, he was trying, anyway, but, <laughs> so uh, I was trying to explain to him, and then he asked about why do people jump off, what's the best, when you come out of an airplane or off a bridge, I tell him, no, that stuff is bad news, base jumping is not good, and I tried to explain to them, people tr do those things to try and find some kind of fulfillment, and I also explained to them that the life expectancy of a base jumper from starting that sport is about seven years on average, I think, or less. Anyway, hopefully he's you know forgotten about that part yet <laughs> already. But but we we do all kinds, people do all kinds of things to try and find fulfillment, to find purpose, and find something that that makes them feel alive. Um, yeah. So when we start thinking differently about eternity, if, if when eternity is more than just I'm going to make it to heaven in one piece, when we start to can I get to grips with the eternal purpose of God for us, for our lives, for us as a collective? Things drastically, dramatically change in the way we approach things. So there's a, you know, we need the revelation of that eternal purpose. And that, that urgency, that, you know, that births an urgency in our hearts. And that changes the way we approach even just our daily in, you know, engaging with the Lord. So I want to start firstly looking at salvation. How does this impact oh, how we think about salvation? Second Timothy 1 verse 9 says here, um, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's not a very popular one there, sharing and suffering. So we'll just quick, go quickly over that one, okay? <laughs> just kidding. We'll talk about that another day. Sharing the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, all right? That's Paul writing to Timothy from prison, okay? And then he says very something very powerful. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He saved us and he called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And, and this is where the challenge begins, is what way am I living? Am I living saved? And, and I leave the rest of that sent... Or, Sentence and the one before, <laughs> saved. I'm living saved. I'm, 
or am I living saved and called? Now, you know, living saved means, and I can, I can testify of this, for a, for a long while after I uh, came to salvation, I was living saved. I was engaging with the Word. I was, you know, growing in the Holy Spirit. Um, I was experiencing the blessing in following Jesus. I was experiencing God's provision. But I can honestly say I did not pay attention or have any concern in my heart about any kind of call or purpose. I was, I was amazed to have this peace in my heart that I was going to spend eternity with God. That was, obviously, that was a massive shift in my life. And I started to see the impact of the gospel in my personal life very powerfully. I started to see changes happening, and I started to, and I experienced, you know, what it means to work out your salvation. But this element of being called was missing from my following God. It was only later on, probably about the time when I joined Shofar and Stellenbosch, everybody was talking about purpose and this and that, and it was just, you know, when, which mission are you going on next? And I was like, what's this thing about going on mission? Why is this necessary? You know, and I was being challenged about what is God's call in your life? And I was like, what's this thing about call? What's that all about? And I was, and I was, and I found my place myself after a couple of months of this, and I found myself wrestling with God almost every Sunday evening after the service. Lord, what is this? call thing? What is this purpose? How does that impact my life? And it drastically changed the way I followed Jesus. Because now I realize I'm not only saved, but I'm saved and called. Amen? So many, I believe, and I think many experience the same thing I experienced. We live saved, but we don't live called. We experience the blessing of God. Yes, we, ex- we experience His provision, and we experience the so much of, of having a relationship with Christ that there's an element of call that's missing. But when we add this divine implanted sense of purpose to our understanding of salvation, some, some, something drastically changes. Because now I realize there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason and there's a purpose for, for which we have been saved and called. There's a kingdom that, that is coming. There's a, like David writes, when he comes to the battle scene with Goliath, he says, guys, isn't there a cause? What, have you lost your minds? <laughs> isn't there a greater, bigger picture here? Isn't there something we're missing? Suddenly there's this urgency that stirs up in our, heart, in our hearts when we realize that I've been saved and called. I've not just been saved so I can just, just make it to heaven. And just, you know, survive on this earth. Just kind of survive this crazy time on earth and make it into heaven. I've been saved and I've been called with an eternal purpose. A purpose that is not only for this earth, but that, is, that starts here and that, that goes on in eternity. The preparation phases here on earth and, and, you know, setting us up, preparing us for our eternal destiny. That changes the way I see God. It changes the way I pray. It changes the way... I look at where my priority should be in, in my faith, in my growth. Amen? Saved and called with a holy calling. Not just any calling, a holy calling. In a similar way, I can say, you know, I can, 
pull it through to many parts of our lives. And, uh, but for instance, the concept of marriage, and even just before marriage, pursuing relationship. Am I, am I pursuing a relationship, or am I married, just experiencing the blessing of being married, and, or am I married and called? <laughs> married and called with the holy calling. And I'm sure you've, know, you've seen the difference when we are pursuing a relationship and the, the calling part, the kingdom part, isn't in there. It just, it's, there's a massive shift in focus. And uh, I love that, that Francis Chan and his wife Lisa, they wrote a whole book and a curriculum around this very thing. They looked at, they, said, they call it um, You and Me Forever, and they, the tagline there is Marriage in the Light of Eternity. What, what, is it, what is it for? What is, what is the purpose of marriage here in the light of eternity, our eternal purpose and our eternal destiny? And I want to encourage you, whether you, when you, if you're married, go, you know, take time to wrestle through this. In what way are we pursuing eternal, divine, implanted purpose through our marriages, through our families? And also, if you're not married yet, and you, or you, you're looking to, you're in a relationship, or you're looking to pursue a relationship, I want to say to you, if you can manage to put this front and center in how you pursue your relationship before marriage, it's going to set you off on the right track. Amen? It's going to point you in the right direction. And if this is part of the way that you, uh, if there's the divine purpose or an eternal destiny part of marriage, if that is part of the way that you, um, you know, look at, and, and what's, the, what's the right word here, if evaluate your relationship, that's going to point you in the right direction. Are you with me this morning? So in which way are we as couples and we as families not just saved, but saved and called, saved and pursuing His purpose? And I want to say to you, it's not always comfortable, it's not always nice <laughs> to, as a family, to put this front and center of your, of your vision and where you're going. But I can tell you that it, it, it adds such a powerful dynamic of safety to the family life. You know, when I speak to my children and we talk about why we're here and where we're going, where we've come from, the dynamic of that God directs our steps as a family, that He is with us, that He points us in the right direction, that He goes before us, changes everything. It's not just a random thing. As, as we as a family, we as a church family, in the hands of God, He's taking us somewhere. And he's, he's, he's div that divine sense of purpose is inside of us. I mean, does it make sense? And it, it's, I, I've seen how the children flourish when they start to and they, it blesses them when they start to catch this dynamic. Okay, secondly, I want to look at the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, let's, look, let's look at Luke chapter 4. This is the amazing moment where Jesus comes from the wilderness just a couple of verses before. He's in the wilderness. He's being tempted by the enemy. 
And then he, he comes to the temple, he's finished his time of fasting, and he, he comes to the temple, and it's his turn to read the scripture. And this is the scripture. This, I'm just going to read the first bit. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he goes on. And can you see that unless there's a divine implanted sense of purpose that we are engaging with, it can very easily end here with the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And which is amazing. Look, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And yes, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my personal growth, is amazing. It's, it's massive, it's, a, there was a massive shift in my relationship with God when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Massive. And still, you know, in, in our growth spiritually, in the way we engage with Scripture, in the way we worship, um, in the way I, you know, we approach our work and everything we do with that, the helper of you know, the Parakletos, as the Greek says, the, the Spirit coming alongside of us and helping us, that has completely changed my relationship with God. Amen? But I believe very strongly that if we miss the because, it, if we miss on most of what God has purposed for us walking with the Holy Spirit. If it's just me and the Holy Spirit, it's amazing and it's blessed, but but we're missing the because. It's the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind. There's a because, there's a very powerful because of why we have been anointed with the gifts of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? He is, the Spirit is upon us for a reason. And again, you look at that moment where Jesus is about to ascend. He gives this, the mandate to his, to his followers, this massive mandate, this commission, the great commission, we call it. And then he says, you cannot go run with this plan and this commission unless you wait for the helper. You have to wait for the helper. You, have to, you can't do this without the helper. And then Acts 1.8, I want to read that as well. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. He is very clearly saying, This power that you are receiving from the Holy Spirit is so that you can be my witnesses. Without this power, it's not going to go well. But with this power, you will take the gospel and this message, and this, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Can you see how different it is when we look at our relationship with the Holy Spirit and us pursuing the gift of the Spirit and pursuing the anointing of the Spirit from a perspective of this divinely implanted purpose that He has put in our hearts, this eternal picture of it's not just about me getting words of wisdom. It's not just about me being encouraged. It's not just about me experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. It is about the because He has anointed me and the, the being witnesses to the ends of the earth. 
And we can talk a lot about this Acts 1 verse 8, but he talks about us being witnesses and empowered to be witnesses right here in our city. And he talks about Samaria, which, which is well, Judea is the province, you know, the area around. And then he talks about Samaria, which represents going across everything that's uncomfortable, crossing boundaries of race and, and gender, crossing boundaries of, uh, of what's culturally acceptable, what's not. You know, it, it represents going to every people group that nobody ever wants to go to type of thing. And, and he says, go there as well. And he says, and go to the ends of the earth. This is the because, this is the why. This is why we have received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that word power there is dunamus, which is the same word from which we derive the word dynamite. It's explosive power. So I'm thinking if we don't have this divine purpose that we are pursuing, things might go pear-shaped with this kind of power. You know? Things might blow up. Things might, If our focus is only inwards, I think the fruit are not going to be that great. And I, I maybe you've seen this. I've seen this now and again. When the when the when are pursuing the gifts of the Spirit and are pursuing His presence and are pursuing the power of God is only focused on me. The fruit is often not that great. Okay, but there's a because and there's a reason. Amen. Okay. What? How do we engage with the? the Spirit of God in us and through us in terms of this divinely implanted sense of purpose that God has put inside of us? How are we willing to wrestle with the Holy Spirit about what that means in our family, what that means in us as a church family? We're going to be praying together and fasting together next month Fast February, I mean, <laughs> and um, I believe this is such an amazing opportunity for, for each one, whether you're here for the first time, whether you've been around for ages, for us again to a fresh and a new join together and seek the face of God together in prayer and fasting to say, God, stir in us again that urgency, stir in us again that uh, make alive again in us that, that sense of purpose, that divinely implanted sense of purpose. And bring us again onto the same page that we can pursue your plan for us as a congregation together. I mean, that, we can, that we can stand in unity, that we can pursue that kind of unity that where the Lord says, I will command a blessing. Command and blessing, those two go well together. And you think, That's, that sounds good. <laughs> if the Lord says, I command a blessing, that, sounds, that blessing doesn't have a choice. It's going to come. I mean, <laughs> but that's the kind of blessing we, we, we covet as a congregation. But I realize, and I think you, you realize the same, and if, you, if you're married, you've probably realized this already, that kind of unity is, is something we need to fight for, something we, we need to contend for. It doesn't come... On its own, it doesn't just evolve. It's something that we need to trust God for, and we need to pursue. Something that we need to pray through. Um, and I want to encourage us. If and I want to encourage you to join us in February. Keep your eye out for the details. It's going to be a precious time for us to seek His face together. Amen.
Right. At small group uh, this week, um, we had such a precious time. We also prayed for the children. We anointed each one, you know, starting the school year. But I was so encouraged because we could pray this over the children, that they would walk in the purposes of God, in their class, in their, in their relationships, in their, in their, with friends, with, with teachers, that they could walk in the purpose of God, that His light would shine in those situations. You know, the powerful thing about the faith of a child is it's, it's pure, and it's, there's no... Um, there's no other ulterior motive or there's nothing going on on the side. And often I hear about teachers saying, Yo, that child said something and just ministered to me. Amen? And uh, yeah, again, when, when we are pursuing the Holy Spirit, and I've seen this with our kids, when we are praying together, the other day we were just, you know, anointing the house again and consecrating the physical space to the Lord. And so I said to the children, listen, we've prayed a lot now, and we've put oil everywhere. They love that part. And I just, just, guys, just hang on, you know, just <laughs> especially there with the, you know, anyways. But um, so they loved the oil bit, and we went all over the place and put oil everywhere. Um, and then we were praying. And then I said, but we have to ask the Holy Spirit that he would direct us specifically about what we need to pray. And I was so encouraged because each of them had something clear that they felt this is what God, and whether it be a picture, whether it be a, uh, and, and, I, and I said to him, tell me, even if you don't know what it means, tell me what, what God is showing, tell me what the Holy Spirit is showing you so that we can be obedient to what he's telling us to pray. And a lot of it had to do with Especially the one picture had to do with the, the light, God's light shining from, from our home, from our family. And had to do with us, again, not, not being about us and our plans, but about Him and His kingdom coming and His purpose coming. It was really encouraging. I want to encourage you to do that often. And we had communion together. Um, anyway, what a, what a precious time. Okay, Lastly, I want to look at, uh, what, no, maybe not lastly. Don't believe a preacher when he says that. Okay, provision. Um, let's look at provision. Psalm 37. Let's read there. Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. And if you remember the dynamic where with the nation of Israel, they were traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And they were literally feeding on God's faithfulness. God was literally miraculously providing food for the nation of Israel, a couple of million people, every day. If you go, go read through that again, it's really mind-boggling. Okay? So they, literally the provision dropped from the sky. So they would daily experience the miraculous provision of God for their daily needs, daily food, all right? So that is pretty much feeding on God's faithfulness. And, but then we see a very powerful shift happening. We see those same people moving into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, a very fruitful land, a land with 
incredible natural resources, very fertile ground, lots of um, powerful, you know, opportunities. And suddenly the dynamic shifted, and the Lord actually communicated this to the, to the nation. He says, when you go into the promised land, things are going to be different. And in, in, in the, they had to work the land. They experienced God's blessing on their work. God's blessing on, on, on in what, the, what their hands found to do. And they experienced the, the, God's blessing on the land and God's provision in a completely different way. So they were dwelling, they were living off the land. And they were experiencing the blessing of God. They were experiencing the blessing of God through their work and through His provision. Can you see that there's a difference there? And interesting, I believe this, this is the kind of shift that happens when we're pursuing this divine purpose. Yes, where we do experience the, the miraculous provision of God, which is amazing. I mean, every, you know, most of us here will have testimonies of, I had this need and God provided miraculously. Randomly, out of nowhere, God provided. And that is amazing. And I really believe that is a part of us growing in our faith. But I also believe that when, we, when we're walking in this purpose-driven perspective, we're going to see God's blessing on what we do and what we work and the work that we do in a way that we can also bless others, in a way that we can also uh, be a, a conduit of God's blessing, be, a, you know, be able to pass the blessing on to others. You know, whether you're creating jobs for people, whether you are... Whatever way, sharing, you know, the, the whole concept of us being blessed in order for us to also be a blessing. That whole concept we see from Abram, where, where God tells Abram <clears throat> in the, one of the most powerful promises in the scripture, he says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You are blessed, <laughs> but it, through you, the families of the earth will be blessed. So there's this powerful dynamic of us being blessed, but others being blessed by the blessing of God on our lives. Can you see that? Um, you know, for instance, make, use, use this example there. You might, you're walking down, maybe down the road, and there's, suddenly there's an apple that falls from a tree on your head. Right? Woo! God's miraculous provision, there's provision that falls from the sky, and you, you have now got an amazing apple that you can eat, and that's a blessing, right? But... On, on the other side of the wall that you're walking next to, there's the owner of the tree. Okay? And he's shaking the tree. It's his apples, it's his tree, but he's shaking the tree so that the apples can fall off so that somebody else is going to be blessed. You see the difference there in the dynamic. So yes, no, both of them are right, and both of them are good, and both of them are of the Lord, but I really believe that, that we can, I suppose... We can grow in both of those. I mean, growing in our expectation of God's miraculous provision, but also growing in, our, in that urgency of pursuing His purpose, knowing that, yes, firstly, He has made an abundance of provision available for every good work, and that He's, he's able to make me flourish and make me abound and make me prosper in what He's called my, me to do in, in a way that will, again, serve His purpose and His plan. Does that make sense? In a way that means the blessing doesn't stop with me, but it actually flows on and it continues on. There's a shift that happens there. When I'm, I'm not only trusting for God's miraculous provision, 
I'm not only trusting to be the receiver of miraculous provision, but I'm also trusting to be <clears throat> in that chain of blessing where I can be the giver, where I can be the blesser, where I can just be the channel of, of God's provision going on. <clears throat> Amen. He's made an abundance of provision available for every good work. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on these last ones, but there's a, there's a shift, you know, if you look at the difference between deliverance and overcoming. When we look at in the scriptures, <clears throat> there's most of the time when we read about deliverance, it talks about God delivering us and delivering His people from an outside challenge, from something that there's no control over, from something that they can't control, like an enemy attacking them or, or you know, sickness or stuff like that, something that comes from the outside that attacks the people and then God delivers them. But overcoming has often got to do with something on the inside. <clears throat> and um, and I, I believe that's another shift that happens, that when we are pursuing that divinely implanted purpose, that we, we recognize that God wants me to live as a, as a, victoria, a victorious life for a reason. <laughs> it's not just for my own good. It's not just for me to have a better life. But His work of deliverance and overcoming in my life has got a divine purpose. So and I, this is a challenging part. And I've, I'm challenged by that myself. But there's a lot of us maybe that are trusting God for Him. For him to take stuff away from us, right? to take, to deliver us from something. That's what it means, deliverance, to take something away. So I believe there's a lot of us that are trusting God to take something away that he's already empowered us to be able to overcome. Does that make sense? So, so there's a shift there in saying, okay, Lord, I, I believe you've empowered me by the, your, the power of your word. You've You've given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. I want to I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling that I might not just trust you to take something away, but that I might experience victory in my life as I overcome something by the power of your Spirit in me. Does that make sense? And at the same time, there's this dynamic of I am pursuing holiness and I am pursuing deliver and being, you know, being victorious because I am pursuing a purpose. Because I... I need to, I, I want to get to a place of, of freedom because there's a purpose and there's a plan. Can you see that? There's an urgency there. I'm not just going to be happy with maybe one day. I'm going to be actively pursuing, overcoming these difficulties and challenges so that because I know I'm pursuing a purpose and a plan. Similarly, when we're looking between healing and wholeness, you know, I don't want to go into semantics, but the difference between trusting God just to be healed of this thing and that thing or trusting God to be whole. And if you look at that place in John chapter 5, I'm going to have it on there, that there's this man that has been sitting, you know, near the pool of Bethesda for 37 years or something. Well, he's 37 years old. He's been sitting there a long time. And he's, he's been trying to be healed. He's been trying to get in there, and he's, he just missed out. And then Jesus comes to him and asks him, what, what would you like him to do? And then he says that he might be a whole. And then the, Jesus says to him, take up your mat and walk. 
And he, and he goes off running and jumping and praising God. And instead of, and there's a difference in, in dynamic where, where one is healed, but there's still a limp, right? There's still, a, there's still this thing of, I, I've been, and you, even on, in terms of inner healing as well, there's still this thing of, I've got stuff from my past that I'm, I know I've been healed, but I'm still limping. But once Jesus tells you, stand, take your mat and walk, in other words, there's, you need to go somewhere now. There's a shift now. You've, you must leave the stuff behind of the past and, and, and leave, you know, trust God to leave every limp behind because there's a purpose and there's a plan. There's an urgency in our hearts. So I want to embrace the fullness of God's work of you know, making me whole in my life because I'm pursuing something. There's a reason for this. For his glory to be made manifest in my life, for me to be to live, walk in the fullness of his plan and his purpose for me. I'm, I'm pursuing that in a different way. There's a different urgency. There's no more limp. There's there's a grace in our lives to pursue that wholeness. Now, when you think about again the whole concept of pursuing, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, the whole concept of of me stirring up the gifts of the spirit of of us. Um, Trusting God and you know, stretching our faith. There's an urgency in there. We see this when Paul writes about um, being compelled by the love of God, by, by the love of Christ. There's, there's something that's stirring on the inside. And the prophet writes, he says, the, the word was burning in my bones. <laughs> I couldn't contain it. And I really believe that when we are adding this dynam- dimension of divine implanted purpose to the way that we follow God, many things are going to change. And I want to hold this before us as a congregation in the beginning of this year to say, let's trust God to stir up again that urgency in us. Not only for me and my family, not only for me to be a comfortable, to live a comfortable Christian life, but for us to connect very powerfully again with this implanted sense of purpose. And not only just as individuals, but as a collective, as a church, as a congregation, say, Lord, stir in us this the desire to have a revelation of what this purpose means. What is it? What, is it? what does it look like day to day? What does it look like when I go to work? What does it look like when we and my small group walk around our, our community praying? Trusting God for salvation. What does it look like when we, when we as, a, as a, you know, a group of families at a specific school, we pray for the school? What does your purpose and your plan look like in this environment? Amen. Let's stand this morning. We're going to pray together. This morning, oh, I'm really trusting for the Holy Spirit to minister to every heart for us to you know, for our families and for each one, but also for us as a church family to say, Lord, maybe, you know, you're convicted. Maybe I haven't, you know, been, maybe I've been living saved <laughs> and I've been growing, but maybe I haven't been living called. Maybe I've, and I've, as I was praying, I, I believe there's some that, that there was a time in your walk with Christ, where you were wrestling with the Holy Spirit about this idea of being called, about this idea of a, a purpose and a destiny. 
But right now, maybe you've lost touch with that. Maybe it's not on the forefront of your time with, with, with the Lord anymore. And obviously, we're going through diff- we go through different seasons. But in every season, I believe there's a grace for us to keep our eyes on Him. To get to grips with the understanding of the times and the seasons. This is a this is a hectic one, you know. The scripture says there were the that the sons of Issachar, that, that specific family, they were known that they could discern the times and the seasons, and that they could discern what Israel was meant to do. And I believe there's a there's a dynamic there for us that we could say, Lord, we want to be that in that. The similar way we want to be able to discern in every season what is your purpose and what, what are we to do in this, in this season? What is your plan and what is your divinely implanted purpose? Not only for us here, but the, in, in, in the now, in this, in this earthly uh, season, but also looking towards eternity. Connecting with our eternal destiny. Let's pray. Father, we bring our hearts before you this morning. We humbly come. And we acknowledge, God, that yes, Lord, often we live saved, but we don't live called. We, we live with the, the Spirit of glory is upon me, but we, we forget about the because. And this morning we humbly come, Lord, and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would stir in us again. That urgency and the revelation, Lord, re- reveal to us afresh and anew, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because you have anointed me to preach the gospel, Lord. You have anointed us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You have empowered us by your Spirit for a very specific reason. You have provided for us for a very specific reason. You have blessed us and you have prospered us. But there is a purpose and a plan and there is a reason for it. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you'd stir in every heart right now, in every family, in us as a, as a congregation, in us as a family of faith, that we would pursue that divinely implanted purpose that you are stirring in us again, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for hearts that have maybe come out of a rough year or two, Lord, that have been discouraged, Lord, maybe right now or in a season where Everything is coming against us, Lord. I pray for those hearts right now, Lord. I pray for new hope. I pray you'd stir hope in hearts, Lord. Hope in hearts that are discouraged. I pray you'd lift up heaviness. And I thank you, Lord, for a, for a dynamic of in the midst of a storm, we can still keep our eyes on you. In the midst of the, the worst situation, we can still know you are taking this boat somewhere. You are with us in this boat, Lord. And you will not leave us nor forsake us, but you have still got a plan and a purpose. You are still steering this boat even through the storm. I pray that you would encourage those hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I thank you, Father, that, that, I just, oh, that you would stir in us an expectation, God. And in every area of life, every place you call us to, Right now, whether it be as parents or as, as, as workers, or as employers, Lord, employees, wherever you call us to in this season, Lord, that we would pursue your kingdom to come 
in that environment, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we would, yeah, Lord, we would be fasting and praying, Lord, say, Lord, let your kingdom come, not only in my life, Lord, but through my life, let your kingdom come, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, I want to encourage you, if, if you want to um, if you feel that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and you want to respond to what He's doing in your heart, I want to encourage you to step forward. Just, it's just a symbol. It's just saying, Lord, here I am. I want to respond to your word. And if you'd like to do that, please step forward and we want to pray with you. And if you're one of those, I'll just sense as a prayer praying now again. If, you, if you're in a place where, you, where it has been hectic and you're struggling to lift up your head, Struggling to look to, to, to God, struggling to see the bigger picture. I'd love to pray with you. I believe the Lord wants to do a work in your heart. Amen. So if that's you as well, please step forward. And if you have any other prayer need, we'd love to pray with you. Please come forward and we'd love to pray with you before you go. Amen. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.